Welcome to episode 58 of This Week in Legal Blogging, presented by LexBlog. LexBlog is home to the world's largest community of legal bloggers and is the industry-leading provider of professional blogs and turnkey digital publishing solutions to lawyers and the world's largest law firms for more than 17 years. I am your host, Bob Ambrogi. I have my own blog called Law Sites, where I write about legal technology and innovation, and my own podcast called Law Next, where we talk about legal technology and innovation. And uh, very happy to have as my guest today, Jody Daniels, who is founder and CEO of Red Clover Advisors, a boutique data privacy consultancy in one of the few certified women's business enterprises focused solely on privacy. You can find out all about Red Clover Advisors at redcloveradvisors.com. And while you are there, you will find that uh, that is also where Jody has a blog and also has a podcast called She Said Privacy, He Said Security, which she produces and records with her husband. Uh, and uh, you can also find that, as I said, uh, on that site or wherever you listen to podcasts. So, Jody, welcome, uh, welcome to the show. Hi, glad to be here. Uh, glad to have you, and it's it's always it's always kind of fun to talk to other people who have pod. Oh, these days, like everybody has a podcast. I'm starting to feel like, but uh, not quite everybody yet. So, it's always fun to talk to somebody who's a little more used to the whole podcast drill. They are becoming more popular. That is true. Some people got COVID puppies. We got a COVID podcast. <laughs> oh, is that right? This was a COVID baby, your podcast? It was a COVID yeah. baby. <laughs> uh, okay. Too much time at home, right? Let's see how well, lots of, uh, lots of time on the road doing, well, I could show you, the virtual road. We were doing so many different events together that people kind of said, you should have a podcast and we decided to listen. Do you work together or do you just have complimentary? We do not. We podcast. just have a podcast together, but we... I'm the privacy side with my company focused on privacy, yeah. and my husband, Justin, is a technology lawyer with a passion and expertise for cybersecurity, NFTs, and whatever cool new technology will come along. And we have a lot of privacy and security conversations in our house. We were doing so many, uh, and we continue to do a number of presentations together. And so on the show, we have the privacy side and the security side, and we kind of go bounce back and forth between topics. Yeah, I, I I listened to some snippets. I haven't listened to to uh, all of them yet, but I did start to listen to some snippets of them. And it's really uh, really well produced and really uh, great guests you have on uh, your show too. It looks like. Thank you. Um, well, let's just sort of start with the basics of 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 what is Red Clover Advisors and what do you do? Red Clover Advisors is a privacy consultancy. So think about a small to mid sized company who doesn't have anyone focused on privacy in-house, we are that fractional privacy office that would come in and help them comply with whatever privacy laws that they need to comply with. And then going above and beyond and determining, should I use this data? How can I use this data? So ultimately, we're all about building customer trust through complying with various privacy laws. So if you're doing that on a kind of a fractional basis, then I'm assuming your kind of smaller, mid-sized businesses are more likely to be your clients? So right? Our traditional clients are the smaller to mid-sized. We're really trying to help that market where they don't have anyone, like I said, or maybe someone's been what I call anointed. You get to own privacy, but they're not, it's not their full-time job. They Maybe right. they know just a little bit. Or maybe there is one person for some of those larger organizations. Privacy is all-encompassing. 
these days with more and more laws coming, there's a lot of work to be done and they oftentimes need additional help to be able to do that. So we'll come in and we'll help anywhere from an analysis, which laws are in scope and what does that mean I have to do, to the actual tactical operations of something like drafting a privacy notice, figuring out what that cookie banner that I'm sure many of our listeners have seen before on a website, what should that actually look like? Understanding the flow of data in a company. Those very tactical things that for larger companies, they have a team of people in the privacy office actually executing on those. So for larger companies, we help on a slice of the pie. We might come in and help on a particular project. And for the smaller mid-sized companies, we are doing all of those activities that I've just described. Yeah. I mean, there are such a hodgepodge of privacy laws these days. Uh, you know, the better known ones being uh, uh, the European privacy law and the California privacy law, but more and more states are adopting some variation on it. Uh, I mean, it's got to be really confusing for, for smaller businesses to have any idea where to start on some of this stuff. It's fairly overwhelming. A lot of times people think they have to start with what customers see from the outside, which is often a privacy notice and a cookie banner. So right. a lot of companies will say, that's all I have to do, right? I, I, need, I need a privacy notice and I need a cookie banner. Actually, to write the privacy notice, you have to understand the data moving through the company, right. why I collected it, how I'm using it, who am I sharing it with, where am I storing it? And as a result of that activity, you can begin to write an effective privacy notice. And then many of the other requirements from various laws start to come out. There are common themes amongst the laws. One of the most important places to start is a very simple question, which laws are in scope for you? And, and companies have to look at where their customers are from, not where the company is from which is a little bit different. Most people are so accustomed to thinking about where the company is or the, the employees of the company. And here we actually care much more, well, we care about employees, but we really care about where customers are for that organization. Then you begin on understanding your data and you just kind of slowly continue to morph into trying to understand those different laws. Yeah, I mean, I, I again, I know from just from talking to some small businesses, that even that process of understanding of, of fully ha of having a, a complete picture of what data you're bringing in, how you're using that data, where that data is going. Uh, some companies just that's a puzzle for them. I mean, they they don't really fully understand that, uh, even though they should. Uh, you know, apart from the legal requirements. But oh well, what often happens is when we'll come in and we'll do a data inventory, which means we're going to help that company find all that data and help them understand where it is. There's so many operational changes and efficiencies that they uncovered. They realize we. I have how many of those same kind of systems and why is it going to that many places? And they realize that they need to change some of their processes for the better. Yeah. And it ends up being a really good tool to help them just manage the business in addition to complying with privacy. So uh, Jody, how did you get into this area? Uh, what Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are. I started actually at Deloitte in the audit group. So I started as a CPA. Then I moved to finance and strategy at Home Depot. And then I came to Cox Enterprises, which is a big media conglomerate. And one, I did strategy work for a while. And from that work, I moved to autotrader.com, which is the kind of classifieds website for cars. Yeah. And there, many moons ago, before Facebook ads was stalking you for things, right. I stalked you for cars. <laughs> at Auto Trader. 
Fast forward, the online advertising industry came together and said, you know, we really should try and prevent some government legislation. We should, we should self-regulate. I was responsible for our participation in that program, which really then grew to some of the other subsidiaries and ultimately to what became the Cox Automotive brand. I built the privacy program for three years from scratch. I left, then went to Bank of America and was their digital privacy lead, working all kinds of really interesting projects, and then eventually left to start my own company to truly help, as we talked about earlier, those small and mid-sized companies with all these new laws coming along and customer expectations, not just the laws, but just what customers were expecting. The massive change of technology left a gaping hole for that small, mid-sized business. And I really want to help those businesses understand what they can do to earn customer trust. Yeah. So you had, uh, you started, I had it here, 2017, is that right? I started the company in 2017, yes. Yeah. So uh, uh, what was it like just kind of getting it started and getting it built up and getting some uh, clients coming in? It's a really interesting and fun journey. <laughs> <laughs> Learning all, I continue to learn all kinds of all things because- People often go and leave and start something because they're very tactical and technical in a particular area. As a business owner, that is wonderful. You also become an expert in sending out invoices and business development and marketing, as well as tools to be able to manage all that. Once you start wanting to bring on employees or even just other consultants on a 1099 basis, well, how do you do that? And there's so many other aspects. I actually like that. I like the mishmash of different activities that I need to do. Yeah. At the same time, I have my favorite ones and my least favorite ones. <laughs> I, right. I, I don't love all of it. Right. I love the thrill um, of being able to build a, a, a brand, a personal brand and a company brand. I like in this space, it's so new that there's an opportunity to really educate people. And there's nothing like being able to earn the trust of a customer and a client relationship and be able to help and see that the work that you did really helps that particular company. And so for me, I love it here. I love being an entrepreneur and in this space. It certainly comes with its emotional roller coasters. I'm sure many people have seen the little memes that are online and it's it's absolutely true. Up a day and down a day and up a day. <laughs> and I just try and always remember you're going to continuously move in an upward fashion. I mean, it sounds like you have the perfect background for <clears throat> the multifaceted roles that are required of starting a business between uh, having your accounting background and business development work and other, uh, you know, the privacy work and everything else. Uh, uh, you've, you've got it all covered even before you come into it. Um, so it, it, you just mentioned something uh, really interesting, which is that, you know, one of the challenges is just being able to build up that trust uh, with clients or potential clients so how have you tried to do that? For me, it's about a, a couple things. One of them is really about delivering an amazing experience. I want, I want people, even if I'm a small firm, to feel like they're getting all the best quality from what often might be a larger firm experience, but with a high-touch one-to-one. I'm present in my engagements. I'm working to really build a solid relationship with them. I get to know them as people. Many of my clients have turned into really great friends and confidants and advisors for me. I think it all goes back to we're humans. If you lined up everyone who had similar skill sets, why would someone pick one over the other? Of course, there's your items like price or capabilities or location or timing and, and a few of those things. If all was created equal, 
People are picking based on people that they like. I'm sure everyone's heard the no like trust. Well, whichever order you want it to be in. But the like piece is really important. And I find getting to know someone and building that relationship is important. Also, making sure I understand what their needs and goals are and being really honest of saying, I can do that or I can't do that. And I've certainly drawn the line of saying, here's where is my sweet spot. For that over there, we need to get you somebody else. And in other situations where maybe it's they need another advisor, I'm able to help bring an advisor or make a recommendation to someone, even if it's completely outside of my little universe of privacy. Because in doing that, they realize I care about their business overall and not just my little slice of the pie. You know, before you can even start to establish that kind of a relationship with somebody, you got to get them to uh, call you or email you or knock on your door. Uh, so what, what's been your kind of approach to, to marketing yourself and getting your name out there? Uh, and where, if anywhere, does blogging fit into that? It's a significant part. It, as Right before you said that, I was thinking, well, actually how we're connected is a really important way. The content marketing approach and building the brand and the education is really important. Again, privacy is new and it's confusing. Many people think they either don't need it, all they need is the privacy notice, or I'm too small, go away. Or I don't want to deal with it, then go away. I love public speaking and presenting. For as many podcasts and presentations and webinars and conferences that I had an opportunity to get in front of, I like to take those because you always meet someone that makes the time valuable and that education piece, the more education. Then blogging is a significant part. The ability to take what you might orally say and have it in a written form and have it in as many places as possible. You can find different topics that resonate with different people. Some people like to hear, some people like to watch, some people like to read. And when you blend all of that together, to me, it's really about that authority and the credibility and being a thought leader. I have my positions. They might differ from somebody else's positions, but I'm willing to put what I believe out in the universe and continue to build that in through that experience. I've, again, met some really wonderful people. Collectively, we've put blogs together. We've put presentations together. And it's just that snowball. It It's methodical and consistency and takes time. And I share all of that on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's kind of my favorite platform. I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. <laughs> and it works. It's, but it, again, it's about building relationships. I meet other people. I comment on other people. I put my information out there and it's fun. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I was speaking to uh, just yesterday, I think it was, to somebody who kind of just started putting stuff out on LinkedIn almost as a hobby, it, it, an area that this person was interested in, started writing little snippets on LinkedIn. Um, and and it's as you say, it started to kind of snowball and it started to it became a thing where eventually she ended up forming a business around this thing she was doing as effectively a a pastime on, on LinkedIn because it just got so much traction and so much interest from people. And she's now got this business and kind of a community around it as well, a a private LinkedIn group uh, that that's, that's uh, almost like a membership organization based on on LinkedIn. So it's fascinating how that could do, but I mean, it sounds like for you, uh, having that kind of multi-prong publishing content, whatever strategy is important. It's not just about blogging. It's not just about podcasting. You're in a lot of places. I think that's important because I think people do and consume content differently. Yeah. Lots of people like to watch video 
I'll be honest, I like to read better. Some people really like to listen better. So it, it, and some people like to listen in different ways. Some people enjoy listening very methodically while multitasking. Other people like to do it early in the morning. So I think it's important to have and meet a variety of different places the way people are going to consume. The other thing that I've started to do on LinkedIn specifically is, well, first off, I think in any of that content, you you need to have a consistent voice and, and also a consistent brand. And make sure that whenever you're speaking, you're not only shouting, you're communicating. It should be some type of conversation. And there's a little bit of a balance. Here's a little bit of what we do and how you can help. Here's the problem that I see and how people solve it. Sharing stories, sharing other people's articles, and then sharing nothing that relates to your field. Just sharing fun things. I think I asked about winter activities and hot chocolate and movies and snowball fights, and it did really, really well. I think at Thanksgiving, I asked about your favorite kind of pie, and that was a very popular post because, again, people are people. And if everyone's going to, well, maybe not everyone, many people are going to go and eat pie at Thanksgiving. People want to be able to share their their vote and share a little bit about your personal experience. I don't think it should be all of any of those, but it's a blend so that people can see there's a human behind that and be able to connect your content to the human, to the brand, and to the voice. And again, that is what starts to build the momentum of, oh, that was interesting. I should follow that person. I want to hear more on that topic or that person. And it could be six weeks, six months, a couple years. It really, you have no idea when someone reading your content, listening, or watching is going to come back around and be a potential referral or client. Yeah. Well, how do you know? I mean, how how do you target those kinds of activities in a way where you have some belief that they are reaching the people that you're trying to reach, the people that you're trying to get in as clients and customers? For, let's take blogging or writing articles for places, you want to do that for the niche sites that are in your audience. That could be by industry type, by size, by job title of the person who typically hires you. For me, privacy is in a variety of places, quite honestly. It could be a lawyer who hires me. It could be a CFO. It could be someone who's been anointed privacy, maybe a director of security, and a lot of times marketing. That's a lot of different people, and it's truly all those people who hire me. In terms of industry, you look at which are the industries that are most applicable or that you find interesting, and you go and you target that, whether it be podcasts or conferences you want to attend or speak at, the places you want to have content produced at, and even the kinds of people you want to connect with on whichever social platform is right for you. Yeah. So uh, after you started your own consulting firm... um and are you on your own or do you have other employees as well? I have other employees. Okay, good. But so after you started that firm, how quickly did you start getting into these different ways of marketing or how quickly did you start a blog? Like was it was a blog something you did immediately or did it take a while before you got to that? I started a blog fairly quickly. I'd say maybe 6 months after I started. And I had always though at the beginning, no, that is not true. I started actually right away. <laughs> I take that back. I had a conversation with someone who recognized the topic was very valuable. We created a blog. So I was a guest blogger on someone else's platform that then turned into a compilation of a white paper, then a webinar we did together on YouTube. And that video is still churning really great hits on YouTube. Then though, I started to begin writing my own and really began to 
kind of create the better hamster wheel. And every time and every year, I just kept kind of getting better. I feel like we have, I finally have sort of the right cadence of, of what I'm happy with at, at the moment. But it's always an evolution, I think. It's always about finding the right audience, the right topics, and making sure it's really valuable for the audience. And that can change a little bit. As businesses grow, the audience might change. Maybe you had one industry, now you're expanding to industries. And from a speaking content, I was always, always doing that. And a lot of times, some of the places you might speak will turn that content into blogging. So you're yeah. getting multi-prong benefits. Right. And it seems like from reading some of some of what you're you're writing, your your approach to writing is to try and make it a little more interesting than just some sort of dry piece about privacy. Uh, it, it's lively writing and, and you tie it into kind of themes uh, and, and uh, different angles at coming at some of these topics. Was yes. that something you had to learn to do or it's kind of a natural way of, of approaching it? Learning. It's really important to me to infuse my personality with a written form because they, for anyone listening, you you may or may not be able to tell I'm fairly animated. If you were, if you, we watched a video, I use my hands. My daughter says, stop using your hands. And I say, well, that's how people talk, right? I enjoy that part. And I come in from a an Italian word, family, so it's okay. It, I, can, I get it. It doesn't always come across. I also specifically kind of, again, of finding your voice. For me, the voice is to try and take something really complex that people might not want to hear because it's it's about privacy and the law and technical. And for whom I'm targeting, they want to hear it in a business speak. I'm typically targeting business people. Mm-hmm. I did mention a few times that there are lawyers who have it, but mm-hmm. lawyers also are people. They like to hear things in a yeah. business tone. The tone for me is really important to be able to have it be fresh and understandable and simple. And that's kind of my thing is trying to make the complex simple. Have you developed a, a, a kind of a routine around blogging? Or are you doing it on a particular schedule? Are you trying to, how do you come up with stories that you, or ideas or topics that you want to write about? So I can't say that there's a good, a good <laughs> cadence other than the production schedule of of people keeping me on track. I would say that in terms of topics, I just always have an ear out. And if I'm talking to a potential client or a current client and they say something, I think, oh, that would make a really good topic. If I am reading an article and I, I might think that might make a really good topic. I'm, I want it to be valuable I could come up with all kinds of topics that I think are interesting, but that doesn't mean anyone in my audience actually cares. Instead, I'm trying to take what they're telling me or what I see as a popular theme or that I think needs some education and will be really valuable for a business. And I constantly am making a list from that. During the pandemic over the last couple of years, how has the pandemic changed or or uh, changed the kinds of things you're writing about or changed the kinds of things that your clients are asking about in terms of privacy? Well, I can't believe we're saying a few years now into the pandemic. I that know. was the first thing that came off when you said that. I know. The interesting situation is that privacy laws have been passed. Last year in 2021, Virginia and Colorado passed a law. And in November of 2020, that's when the newer version of California passed their law, which means the pandemic didn't really slow anything down. From a security side, the pandemic escalated many of the topics. Many companies 
poof, had people out using personal machines or company laptops that weren't equipped to use it. They've started out using all kinds of remote tools. And the way work is shifting and collaboration is shifting, more and more companies are realizing I need to digitally transform my business, which exposes all types of privacy and security risks. As a privacy firm, I certainly talk about security risks. I really focus on the privacy side. I try and blend both of those together. And because the conversation around work is changing and the way business is working is changing, that really help naturally helps some of those topics, which are what do you need to do to help protect yourself in this new digital era? More and more people are marketing online. Well, marketing and privacy have a massive intersection. It's actually my favorite intersection. And as a result, there's a lot more to be talking about. And while we're sitting here in 2022, there's dozens, if not more, states with privacy laws being considered. And we'll have a whole lot more topics to talk about coming forward. Yeah. Yeah. So we mentioned before you had the podcast, but you started that in 2020, I think. Was Did you see that as an as an extension of your blogging and speaking and, and other kinds of marketing efforts? Or was that something totally separate that you just did for fun? A little bit of both. I think part of it is we had all these topics that we were naturally talking about either at home, our very poor children in the pandemic, or we would talk about in some type of presentation. Because we continued to have support kind of from loyal fans who who liked what we had to say, we felt like we should extend that conversation. And it does lend itself to some of the other forms of content because what can you do with a podcast? Well, you can promote it on social media. You can take show notes and uh, some people can take show notes and turn it into a blog, or you can just kind of post the raw show notes. Either way, it's sort of serving the same purpose. You pick a topic, you're writing about the topic. In our case, we're speaking the topic, which is very similar to writing. It's just, right? Like (laughs) we had some AI translate it for us. And at the end, you're getting an additional form of content that is continuing to spread the message and educate on whatever it is. So for us, it's privacy and security. And again, we're able to emphasize what it is that we want companies to understand even further. Yeah. And then as a result, it creates more fans and and all of it gets connected. You get more introductions where you might be able to guest blog somewhere else and it continues to just, and then more people then come and actually read what I have to say. So do you have any sense of how these different kinds of marketing efforts and, and, and content development efforts and speaking and, and everything else, what, what impact they've had on, on your building up your consulting business? I think tremendously. I don't have a perfect number. I think it's a little hard to measure. My marketing analytics friends might differ with me, but I think it's a little hard to measure perfectly. What I would say is if I stopped cold turkey tomorrow, I think that would have a drastic impact on my business. I think no one would know who I am. No one would understand what my point of view is. I would, companies wouldn't appreciate why they need to deal with this. And especially in legal blogging, there's some really complex topics that maybe not all companies or people want to hear about, but they need to. They need to understand it. In fact, sometimes it's so complex, they just put their hands up and say, it's too hard. I don't want to do that. And what blogging can do or any form of content is when you break it down into simpler terms, then people begin to hear it. Everyone knows you have to hear something multiple times, whichever scientist you'd like to believe seven times, 10 times, a lot of times to hear it multiple times over and over again. And then they believe, oh, I guess I should really pay attention to that. Yeah. 
I believe it helps tremendously. I've had people come to me cold from my website because the Google algorithm is doing its thing. I had someone reach out yesterday that said, you know, that article that you posted, because I wrote the article, then I did a short blurb on LinkedIn. I I can't find that. You had this checklist and I really wanted to get it. Can you share it with me? I didn't really know this person super well. Of course, happy to get it to you. And that is what you don't even appreciate because maybe it wasn't likes and comments. It was someone who remembered it, associated it with me, and came back around. And that is something you can't measure right away. But that loyalty and that brand recognition is significant. And that is what I believe slowly and methodically builds any type of brand. Yeah. And, and I don't think that is capable of being measured. I mean, and you're right. Some marketing people may disagree, but it, it uh, people who blog, who put out a lot of content, I, it's, it just builds up a profile in a way that uh, is not something you can necessarily track down to, to raw numbers or data uh, bring, coming in. Um, it, 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 of, of all these different avenues by which you're putting yourself out there, do you feel like any one of them is more effective than the others? Or is it the sum of the parts that works? I think it's the sum of the parts. Because if I write an article and I put it on my website, no one's going to come read it unless everyone comes to my website. Now, I'd love to think everyone's going to come to my website, but I'm really not. I, I know the truth. And they're not all going to come to my website without some some help. I need some help from Google. And the more writing you do and making sure you have it in Google happy writing form, then more people will come to you. If I only rely on Google. I've missed a massive audience who might not be searching for something. I have to push that to them. There's pull and push. What a social platform does for you is you're able to push that content. If you don't have an email list, then you know some people might not be searching on Google. Some people might hate social media, but they're okay with some email. I need to have an email list so that I can get it to them that way. And I think all of it is interconnected. If you have a social profile, but no content. Okay. I guess I can see you on social, but then I have nothing else to go to. Or when a prospective client comes to you, they want to see, oh, well, what's their perspective on it? Well, part of what a blog can do is help educate those clients on the services that they want and realize, oh, wow, that person must really know what they're talking about. Look at all these articles that they have. They've really put time to make sure that I understand it. And they might even buy other services that they didn't initially think that they needed. I really think it all goes together. Makes sense. Uh, Jody. we are just about out of time, but I always like to give my guests the, the final word. If there's anything else that you'd like to say, any advice you'd like to share, you've given a lot of advice already. So I don't know if you have any more to give, but uh, <laughs> any final words before you wrap up here? Well, thank you so much. It's been always a joy to talk about a journey like this. For me, the best advice is consistency. It was the advice given to me is that you just have to be consistent. One, a blog every six months or three months isn't going to work. It, if you if you choose to do it, just pick something. Is it once a month, once a week, twice a week? Pick whatever cadence it's, it's going to be and just begin because your audience will begin to build and that's what they'll expect from you. Yeah, I think that's really important. Well, thanks so much for joining me. It's been a real pleasure to speak with you today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So once again, we've been speaking with Jody Daniels at redcloveradvisors.com. Uh, and uh, you can find information about her blog and her podcast there. Look for her on LinkedIn as you heard during our interview. And this was episode 58 of This Week in Legal Blogging. Uh, you can find this show wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we hope that while you're there, you might drop us a quick rating or review. 
You can also head over to lexblog.com slash twilled, T-W-I-L-D, for outlines of each and every show we've done so far. On behalf of myself and everybody at Lexblog, thank you so much for listening.